0: Well, we're going to be in two places in the scriptures here today. You can turn over to the Matthew reference first. If you like, last week we were looking at David and Goliath. An old story, most people are pretty familiar with it. But we saw that David saw what was said by Goliath and knew that what was done in the past would have present-day effects and he went in there to take advantage of it. We've been spe- spending some time on a series here. Looking at faith, past, present, and future. Because we wanted to find out, is it that I already have what I believe for in faith? Is it that I have it now? Or is it that it's coming in the future? Will I have it? Do I have it? How is it, uh, how are we supposed to speak about this? Because sometimes I listen to people talk and they get a little confused. I'm not sure if I was healed. I'm not sure if I am healed. I'm not sure if I'm going to be healed. (laughs) And the Word of God is never confusing if we got confused the only reason we have confusion is because we have partial revelation we need to get the full revelation and we won't be confused anymore so we were looking at David and Goliath we saw that he had made a declaration Goliath did and because of that declaration David knew that he was toast and so he made a declaration in light of that and pronounced that this man was he was going down and he certainly did but he didn't just walk in a bunch of, of uh, formulas. A lot of Christians, they walk in a lot of formulas. Well, if I do this, if I do so and so, and if I confess this so much, and if I pray this way, or if I use the name of Jesus, or if i they, they have the formulas that they do. And we think that if I do those formulas, then this will come. But David didn't live by formulas. He lived by what he believed. He knew that his God was with him. And so when the lion came, when the bear came, he took him on. And then when Goliath came, he said, he'll just be like one of those. We saw that his past that he had, the experience with the lion, the experience with the bear, was to give him faith for what he was to face in the future. And it's the same for you. Whatever has gone on your past, God has intended it to have faith for your future. The enemy wants to take your past and twist it, twist your understanding of it, so that no longer is it faith for you, but it's going to feed your doubts and your, your, th- some thoughts of God that are not correct. In Matthew chapter 8 verse 1, it reads this way, When he had come down from the mountain, speaking of Jesus, great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed, and Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So his statement to Jesus is pretty pretty clear, clear on this. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This is where so many Christians are today. I know that God can do something. I just don't know if God will. Or if he will do it for me. I know that God has done this for other people but I don't know if God will do this for me. And the enemy, of course, he comes up and he reminds you of all the things of your past and all the things even in your present and all the reasons why God's not happy with you. And you come up with all kinds of reasons why you're probably going through the situation that you're going through and how it's probably God's will teach you some kind of a lesson. And the enemy throws this out on us. So we know that God can do many things, but I don't know if God will do it or specifically If he's willing to do it for me. And this is where this man was. And Jesus didn't take his history, didn't find out what kind of things he had done, what kind of things he believed. He didn't do any of that. He just took this man and he helped him in the one area that he had a problem. That was this that was Jesus' willingness. Have you ever had a problem with Jesus being willing? I mean, not just willing for the, I know God will do this for the body of Christ, but will he do it for you? <laughs> That's where sometimes we, we have a, we have a problem. I know that God has helped other people and he's healed them. I know that he's helped them in financial situations. I hear the testimonies. I see things, but I'm just not sure he's willing to do it for me. And we may come up with things, you know, that I'm not ready. I'm not in a place of faith. Um, I've done this and oh, I came out of this background and I don't know this and, Well, I'm not doing what so-and-so was doing. We have all kinds of reasons that we can come up with this. But Jesus took care of it right here. Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Now, you've all heard, and we've gone over this a number of times, but we'll go over it again, because you just never know who's listening. But most people, many people uh, today feel that they are sick or they are carrying around some kind of disease or some kind of condition in their body because God is not willing to heal them or He is not willing to change their situation or that God wants them to go through that particular thing. They're, they don't understand the will of God in the situation. And yet all the time we see Jesus minister and all the, all the people, but they would bring multitudes to Him. He would heal them all. We never one time found him say, well, it's God's will that you be sick. Uh, I can't heal you. It's God's will for this to be done. But he said to this man, I am willing, be cleansed. I am willing, be cleansed. So he cleared up the one question he has. Are you willing? And he said, I'm willing. If you knew that whatever situation that you had, that you're facing, that you... Have talk with God in prayer with God or you're believing for a, a change if you knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that God wanted that done if you knew God wanted you a, to have a better job if you knew God wanted you to have uh, a, a spouse children if you knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that God wanted you to be happy if you knew this no doubt at all. Would that change the way that you prayed? See, the enemy likes to mess up with the willing part. Well, God will do this for most people, but not for you. He'll come up with reasons why it's, it's not going to happen. I am willing, be cleansed. So he clears up the the willing part, and then when he goes on here and he says, be cleansed, it's not so much a past tense as that he has already been cleansed. It is a One time, it's referring to a one time action. This is going to be a one time action. You are cleansed, being cleansed right now for the purpose of having an ongoing cleansing on him. That he will be clean from that point on. This is not something that he has to keep being healed of. This is something that be cleansed. From this point forward, cleansing is yours. That's what he told him. Because sometimes we look at that and we say, well, I have to believe that I was healed in order for me to be healed. I mean, we get sometimes messed up with the, the thing. When this man came to Jesus, he was a leper. He didn't have to deny it. He had to try and change his confession and say, well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not a leper. I don't see myself as a leper. I see myself as he, and he had to go through all that. He just said, hey, I'm a leper. I want to be clean. If you're willing, you can do it. Jesus said, I'm willing. Let's get it done. And they did it. Then you look at Jesus' instructions to him he said, "See that you tell no one can you imagine having a condition like leprosy which there's no uh, no way to heal that and um, and Jesus heals you of it instantly right there leprosy is gone and leprosy is very visible you know you can you can see a person has leprosy and so he could see that he was healed and can you imagine Jesus telling you now don't tell anybody about it How many could find that a little difficult? See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift. Because a leper had to go before the priest. If, it, if something changed in their condition, they had to go before the priest. The priest would examine them. And if they confirmed that the uh, leprosy had indeed left, then they would declare them either to be free of leprosy or they would give them a quarantine period and come on back and check us. Let me check you out in a month or whatever it might be. And then there was a sacrifice that they would offer. And so they would, he said, go out there and do those things. Go do the things that, that, uh, Moses commanded to do. Bring that gift as a testimony, not to God, but to the people that he had to go, the priest that he had to go and, and have them, uh, check him out. Well, it didn't stop there. He continued to go on. And I put this in your outline for you that if you are, if you are in a situation, if you are in a place and you're wondering whether God is willing to change your situation around, you got to you got to get into the Word of God and find out. Is God willing to do this for me? And if God is willing to do it for one person, He's willing to do it for you. God doesn't have certain things, certain people that He says, well, I'll do it for Moses, I'll do it for Elijah, but I'm not going to do it for you. Get into the word. Clear that up. Know that he is willing. He goes on in verse five and says, And now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Now generally, when we've looked at this, we've gone over to Matthew, but I I just stayed here in Matthew I'm sorry, in Mark's gospel. But here I just stayed over in Matthew, because I just wanted you to see the one thing that he said. Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. He doesn't try and candy coat what's going on. He doesn't try and say, my servant is lying on the bed having the symptoms of being dreadfully tormented. He just comes right out and said, hey, he's dreadfully tormented. He's, uh, he's at home paralyzed. This is the condition that he's in. It's just a statement of what's going on. God is not afraid of statements of what's going on. You can come to God and say, God, I just feel so down today. And God's not going to kick you out of the throne room. In fact, that's probably where you need to be. He's going to put his arm around you, so to speak. He's going to comfort you. You can tell him what you're going through. You don't have to cover it up, candy coat it, do anything like that. You can just say, "This is what's going on." How many times have you read the Psalms? Mm-hmm. Read them with the purpose this way. When David starts off in the Psalm, he's down. There's a lot of times David is a very emotional guy. He's extremely emotional guy Uh, he's up and he's down and he's up and he's down but when he's down he just lets it all out he just tells God God I am down (laughs) but you'll notice when he writes the psalm and he's making the prayer to God he starts out God I am down things are just man everybody's out to get me they're all trying to kill me but by the time he gets to the middle he's making a turn and then when he gets to the end he's declaring things for the future and see that's where you got to be in prayer you can start off talking to God about how your situation is and you don't have to inform him. He knows what's going on. But sometimes it's just good for us to, you know, talk to him about it. Yeah. God, this is what I feel like. You know, I just I just feel down today. I just feel man, I just things just seem to be getting to me that didn't usually get to me. Boy, this is going on. And uh don't stop there. Don't just let it rest there. Just let the word of God rise up in you. Let him speak to you. And by the time you get done praying, you ought to be on a place declaring good things for your future. Not bad. Don't get condemned because you start off your prayer, oh God, it's, man, it's so tough. <laughs> there are times then the Word of God does say enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. And that is the best way. If you're going to enter into the presence of God, the best way to go into the presence of God is with praise. But there are some times it's just not there. So go into God with what you got. Let His Word rise up on the inside of you. And by the time you get out, be in a place of praise. That's how prayer ought to be, be working for you. Don't feel like you got to cover it up. So Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, well, have you sinned today? Is your servant following after God? Have you made your appropriate sacrifices? Are you reading the scriptures? He doesn't ask him any of these things, does he? Jesus just says to him, I will come and determine if it's God's will for him to be healed. Oh, he didn't say that? Huh. I will come and heal him. How can he say that without knowing the background on the guy? <laughs> I will come and heal him. At this point, he doesn't even know the centurion's name. Or the centurion servant's name. They just got the centurion that came. And of course, uh, we know in the, the other accounts of this, he didn't come directly. He sent people. But in this account, uh, since he sent them in his name, he just looks at it as uh, the, uh, Matthew just says, well, he came because he sent them in his name. That's how they would look at things. I will come and heal him. So he declares right off the bat that he is in a bad state, but I'm going to come and we're going to change that. I will come and heal him he's speaking of what's going to happen in the future but do you pick up any doubt from Jesus there's no doubt at all I will come and heal let's go
1: well
0: let's go on in verse 8 the centurion answered and said Lord I am not worthy that you should come under my roof but only speak a word and my servant will be healed For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to those who followed, Assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. So as you have believed, as you have believed, we've seen this phrase a number of times with with uh people that Jesus ministered to. So he comes and he asks for uh Jesus to come and to change the current situation. The current situation is going on, it's not good. And it's not going to have a good end. And Jesus says, I'll come and do it. And he says, oh, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Now, the man was worthy for it, for Jesus to come under his roof. He was worthy for it. But he didn't see himself as worthy. A lot of times, God will see you as worthy for things that you don't you see yourself worthy. And so you won't get them. He would have, Jesus would have gone to his house. But he says, oh, no, I'm not worthy. Now, Jesus didn't focus on that. He focused on his faith. Because he understood some things about faith. That Jesus came and he did these things because he served under an authority, God. He was sent by God. And all he had to do was speak to these things and they would leave. Just as he would speak to people and they would go. Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. So in the first one, we saw the man came, if you... If you will do this If you will want to There's there's some ifs there Sometimes we come to God And we got some ifs He's got to minister to those ifs We got to get those ifs cleared up But here in this, this one Jesus declared I will This man didn't say If you will come He pretty much Knew Jesus would minister Into this situation And Jesus did Here we see that Jesus, and what Jesus does, declare what you believe before you receive. you got to declare what you believe before you receive it. This man, this centurion, declared what he believed. The one before that declared what he believed. The one, uh, the one with leprosy, he declared, you are able to heal me. I know you have the ability. You have, I just don't know if you're willing, but I know that you're able. He declared that ahead of time. He hadn't received anything, but he declared it. This particular one, the centurion, he said, all you need to do is speak the word and my servant will be healed. Now both of these people had built up beliefs based on what they heard about Jesus. Jesus had gone about healing people of leprosy. This man said, well, if he's healed other people of leprosy, he can heal me of my leprosy if he is willing. Centurion had heard the things that Jesus had done and had no doubt that the authority that Jesus had would work in this situation. And declared it so. Too many times we are found believing for something instead of having believed. This is what Jesus, this is what the man heard from Jesus. Go your way and as you have believed. How many times have you heard people saying, well I'm believing for. You ever heard that? Well I'm believing for, and then they name what it is, I'm believing for a better job. I'm believing for a wife. I'm believing for a husband. I'm believing whatever it is you just fill it in your 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 spot there. I'm believing for this situation to be changed. This situation to be healed. I'm believing for. But Jesus didn't talk about believing for. He talked about having believed. See, when we say I'm believing for, we're kind of putting in a building an excuse. And you tell me if this is not in this statement I'm believing for a healing of my... Let's just throw it in their back. I'm believing for a healing for my back. Does that not have in its statement that I have done what I need to do and I'm just waiting on other people? I'm waiting on God to do His part. I did my part. I want you to know I am faithful. I did my part. But I'm just waiting on God. Then, you know, sometimes we'll tackle on in His time. But he said to this centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. As you have believed. That is past tense. He's got a belief that is in him that has been going on. He's not believing for something. He has already believed. Now that's not just syntax. That's just not wor- just words. When I say I am believing for this to happen, I'm declaring first off it hasn't happened. I don't know when it's going to happen. Might even be that God's not willing to do it for me. But this that's not how this one was. This one, he had believed. Because of that, it caused him to have a certain action. You see, if you are believing for something to happen, it lends itself to more inaction. If you having already believed, it lends itself to some type of faith action. Something that you would do. Now some people, they imitate what other people have done and they call that a faith action. You cannot imitate what someone else has done. It may have worked for them. You know, uh, blind Bartimaeus threw off his, his uh, blind man's coat. Threw it off. That was That was an act of faith on his part. That was something he envisioned himself doing. He threw it off. Well, just because he did it doesn't mean if you throw off something, then it's going to help you. We've seen people, I've heard people that have done this you know, they were diabetic and they were taking insulin. And they got into service and they heard some people do some things and they uh, got healed of diabetes and they threw away their insulin. So they came home and they threw away their insulin. <laughs> Almost ended up in the ER. <laughs> the faith is not in the throwing away of the medication. What happened was those the people that it worked for and had the stories... There was something that rose up on the inside of them. And they had faith believing. And it caused an action. But if you're believing for something, that's not going to produce the same type of an action. I have to get myself out of believing for and get myself into having believed. Now we're going to take a look at an example, a story that shows this principle more than anything else I can think of in Scripture. It is a familiar one to you, but we have not covered it solely in in a few years. Which I was surprised at. It seems like I'm always in this story, because it's my favorite healing, one of my favorite healing stories anyway. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Now we were in Mark chapter 5 just a little while ago, but we were looking at Jairus. Now we're going to look at this woman. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now this woman had a flow of blood. Doesn't describe all the things about it. One translator puts in there that she had a hemorrhage. Whatever it was, it was a a blood flow that seemed to be pretty constant. And you know if you're going to be bleeding for 12 years, that's going to have an impact on your body. (laughs) You just can't get away without, without having some kind of impact on your body. And it's it's not going to be good. And she wanted this to be taken care of. For 12 years, she is bleeding in a way that is not normal. And it just keeps going on. And she had suffered many things from many physicians, and she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So she she's looking for an answer on this thing. You look at a lot of Christians. I, I see a lot of Christians out there and the things that they're doing. And this this lady, I put this uh, wrote this down for you. She's invested. You know, a lot of Christians are not invested in their healing or receiving the thing that they want. They're not invested. A lot of times, people just want to stay at home and call somebody up. Hey, would you pray for me that I get healed of what this condition is? Then they just stay there in bed. They're not invested. We've had people... That have, uh, contacted us for prayer. I want prayer for a certain, uh, condition. And, uh, we'll tell a lot of them, you know, when we're up there interacting with them, we'll tell a lot of them, great, no, come on out to church, we want to lay hands on you. Oh, uh, one person put up there, he said, he said, that's just a gimmick, get people to go out to church. <laughs> well, it's a gimmick that Jesus used. <laughs> there's always that point of contact with Jesus. They didn't pray with anybody over the phone. I know they didn't have any phones. But there was always a point of contact. There needs to be a point of contact. Sometimes there needs to be an effort. We saw one guy, his friends brought him. He couldn't walk, but his friends brought him. When they couldn't get in, they, they invested themselves and they went up and they started tearing the roof apart, lowering them down. They were invested. Jesus many times would tell people to do something to get them invested in their healing, to get them to do something. But we get a lot of lazy Christians anymore. We would just want to sit around and say, well, I'll just sit around and just, just wait for God to heal me. When he does, I'll get up and I'll do something. And that's not that's not the way that you want to go. You need to get yourself invested. If you're going to ask God to do something, He's going to tell you to do something to get you invested. And the number of healing stories we looked at so far, you've seen that there was an investment. Sometimes people came up with their own investment. Blind Bartimaeus was one of those. Jesus didn't tell him to invest anything or to do anything because he had already done it. He heard about Jesus. He meditated on Jesus. He came up with a plan that if I see Jesus, this is what I'm going to do. And we saw that when he saw Jesus, he did exactly what he saw himself doing. He had invested himself in it. We need to sometimes invest ourselves into the process of us receiving what it is that we need to receive. But a lot of times, we just want to sit back and, and uh well, I don't believe in all that laying hands of stuff. Well, that's a shame because that's what the Bible says. Well, I just, you know, just... I just get a lot of different Christians from all over and if they all pray for me, I know. We, we come up with our own ways. I can't come up with my own way to get healed. i gotta, I got to find out what the Word of God says about getting healed. i got to find out what the Word of God says about what kind of ministry I need to do. If I need that financial miracle, what does the Word of God say about it? You know, Sometimes people are believing God for a financial thing. They're just going to wait by the mailbox. There's an investment here. She had spent all that she had. She had gone to many physicians. The physicians put her through stuff. Have you ever been put through stuff by a physician? They thought this was the best treatment for you, and they put you through the thing. And they, um, you know, and as, as long as you feel like it's going to benefit you, how many of you are willing to put up with all sorts of stuff from physicians? <laughs> You're willing to to do this. You know, I, I go to a chiropractor uh, about once a month. You know, I I put my body under a lot of stress, so he goes out there and he he lines things up, and that's all I need once a month. Most times I even go in there and there's nothing even wrong. Last time I went in there, I said, uh, "What's wrong?" Nothing. Really? Yeah, nothing. No no parts you want me to work? No, i will find parts to work on. <laughs> I mean, no, they can find some parts to work on. I I didn't even know that was sore. Oh man, that was. <laughs> they'll find some stuff. But uh, you know, when when I was going through some intense things, he would he would be working on it. He'd be pushing on things, and and uh, he was all in. He had this little tool in his pocket, a little wooden tool, because uh, it was better than his finger. He get some uh, he get some pressure on it. And so he when he was working on some spots on me, he said he didn't do this with everybody, but he did it with me. He liked me, I guess. And he, he would get me on that, that spot, and he would take that, and he'd put it on the sensitive spot, and he would get his whole body off the ground, and put all of his possible, all his weight on that one little spot. And, no, I'm, I'm gritting, but I'm not gonna say nothing. (laughs) He's, he wants you to, you know, can you take more? Yep. Yeah, come on, don't, 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 don't be easy on me. Give it, give it all to me. If, if I believe that what is going, what is causing pain is going to help, how many of y'all you know you'll, you'll take the pain? Absolutely. Give me the pain. It's alright. Do that. And he, so he would do that and he, he, whenever we'd schedule an appointment, we were going through a lot of this stuff with, uh, different, different parts. He said, now make sure you schedule Steve. Don't schedule him for 15 minutes. I need more time with him. <laughs> Just a sweet man. And he, he put everything he could into it. He'd lean his whole body in on that, that, thing and get that, get that going. Now some days it was a little bit too, too sorry he wasn't able to, but most times he was. Last time I was in there and, uh, and he, he put everything into it. Everything into it. He if I had, he told me, he said, if I had more, I'd do more. He just, he didn't have anything more to do. But, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll take it. You don't, you don't mind that. You get a surgery. There's some pain involved with a surgery. And there's some pain in the recovery of the surgery, but you do it because it's going to help you. At least you feel like it's going to help you, and you don't mind doing it. This is what this woman went through. She would go into a physician and said, "Well, we got this new technique, and if we do this, we think it will have an effect on you, and that's that's positive. That that's great. Now there's some pain involved, and there's some uh, you won't be able to eat some things, and there's you know some some sacrifice you have to make on the on what you can eat or or what you can uh, what you can do or you. Uh, you know, they'll just tell you some things to do. So she was willing to give the sacrifice, willing to pay the money. Paid the money. And it didn't work. Now how many have ever gone through a procedure to fix one thing and it didn't work? Ever done, ever done that? You had something wrong in your body. You went to the doctor and the doctor said, I think if we do this, it'll take care of it. And you went and you did all that and it didn't work. How many can feel a little bit of a letdown on that? And then another doctor came to you and said... I think if, if we try it this way, this will have a, a positive effect. And you go and you do that. You build up your hope. And you go out there and you do that. And it didn't produce anything. For 12 years, she went out to other doctors. And other doctors said, we got another procedure. It's going to cost you some money. How many of you going to think, I think you guys are just after my money cuz I'm not getting it I'm not getting any better but she kept going through it for 12 years she went through how many doctors she saw how many procedures we don't know that's not part of the, all that important in the story but it was plural she had suffered many things from many physicians that's uh that's not just a few she had spent all that she had she didn't have any more money left there's no insurance to pay for doctors in these days, and she was no better. But actually, over the twelve years, she's gotten worse. She is worse now than when she started, and all the things the doctors have done, it, it didn't help. It didn't change anything. But in verse twenty-seven: When she heard about Jesus, mm-hmm. what did she hear about Jesus? <laughs> well, if you want over, and I'll just give you these scriptures. You can write them down in Luke chapter six verse 17 through 19 Luke chapter 6 verse 17 through 19 you're going to find that people had come to Jesus and just touched the hem of his garment they just touched his garment and power went out and healed them now Luke then tells this version of the story of the woman who was healed here he tells a story about this but he doesn't tell that until Luke chapter 8 so how many of you all know Luke chapter 6 comes before Luke chapter 8? So we know that the stories of Jesus having people who touched the hem of his garment came before this. So she had heard that people came up and touched the hem of Jesus' garment and they were healed. It said when she heard about Jesus. And it says she heard about it. Now if you had gone through many things from many physicians, how many of you would be exhausted in your faith and that's all that you got? Because we think about faith in God, but you know there's also some faith you have in people. You've had some faith in some doctors to change something. You've had some faith in some people at the bank that the, some advice they gave you was good. You've had, a, you've had uh, things that have come to you for these. You've had faith in that. You don't just have faith in God. You all had faith in the chairs that they would hold you. You had faith in your car that if you drove it all the way over here, it would get you home. You had faith that when you went into the restaurant that they're going to serve you a good meal. And not poison. I mean, isn't isn't there some faith in that? (laughs) There's faith we have in a lot of things. We don't just have faith in God. But we need to have faith in God. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. This is why. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, I want to read this to you from the Williams translation. I'm going to read the whole uh, section we just read here. Then a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had suffered much at the hands of many doctors and had spent all she had, and yet was not a whit benefited, but rather grew worse, heard the reports about Jesus. So she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his coat. For she kept saying, If I can only touch his clothes, I shall get well. If you go to Luke chapter 8, don't need to go there now, but if you go to Luke chapter 8 and look at his account of this, Luke puts it this way. She kept saying to herself, she kept saying to herself, "How many of you talk to yourself?" It's all right to talk to yourself. My grandfather used to always tell us. He said, "It's okay to talk to yourself. It's when you start answering yourself." That's your <laughs> I said, to well, tell us. Go ahead and talk to yourself. Just be careful you start answering yourself." But she kept saying to herself, "If only I touch his clothes, I shall get well." Now we've looked at this before, and we've seen what she must have gone through. Because how many know she's got some friends, she's got some neighbors. How many of you have some friends, have some neighbors? And if you have been invested to try and get something fixed in your body, maybe even your car, if you were going to try and fix something in your car, and your neighbors know you've been trying to fix this thing in the car, you took her over here, and uh, they they didn't get it right, And your neighbor says, Oh, I know a guy. And you go over to his guy and his guy looked at it and charged it for the fix-it and it didn't get fixed. And then somebody else knows somebody and you go over to this person, you go three, four, five, six different people. How many of y'all know after a while you just say, get rid of the car? (laughs) Forget it. We're not fixing this thing. It's just uh, eating up your money. It's time to get rid of the car. But she kept saying this to herself, but I'm sure other people were hearing her. And she's probably talking to other people about it, about Jesus. If she heard the reports, it means other people came and told her the reports. Do you know that Jesus has come to town? He's healing people. Really? What kind of conditions is he? Well, yeah, we saw one person. They were dead. And they got healed. This other person, I mean, they were blind. Born blind. Became blind. Man with a withered hand. Lepers. Named all these conditions that are going on. And then the story came out. You know, that people, all they did was they came up and they touched Jesus' garment. And when they touched his garment, they got healed. Power went out from him and healed them of their affliction. Oh, just all they did was touch his garment. That's all they did. I bet you I could get in there and touch his garment. And she starts to begin to speak to herself about this. If I just touch his clothes. She said, if only... I may touch his clothes. I shall be made well. Do you hear any doubt? The only doubt I hear in that is whether she's going to get to Jesus to be able to touch his clothes. But if she can get to Jesus and touch his clothes, I know I'm going to be healed. I know it. I know it. She kept saying, if I can only touch his clothes, I shall get well. Now, Jesus is a rabbi. She has a flow of blood. You know from the Old Testament law. If you don't know, I'll tell you. Old Testament law, a woman who had a flow of blood was declared to be unclean. And unclean for so many days. And so you were not allowed to touch a priest or a person who was uh, uh, in that kind of an office until your uh, time of impurity was over. So she is constantly impure. She's not allowed to do some things in that society that other people are allowed to do. And one of them certainly is not going up and touching Jesus. But if only I might touch his clothes. See, I'm not going to touch him and make him unclean. I'm just going to touch his clothes. If I just touch his clothes, he won't be unclean. I won't be doing anything to him. I can just sneak in there. Touch his clothes. And then I'm off. I know it. If I could just get in there. If I, can just, if I can just do that. Now see, just because you hear about Jesus or just because you hear principles of faith or just because you hear principles from the Word, just because you hear it doesn't mean it's going to do you any good. There's a lot of people that heard about Jesus. We don't have too many people like the woman with the issue of blood. She she heard about it, and she began to meditate on it. She began to think on Jesus and what he did. See, when you get into the Word of God, you need to meditate on it. You need to be going over it and over it, mulling over it in your head. I've told you this before. It was taught to me when I was going to school. I think it's the best principle I've ever ever heard of. That worry is corrupted meditation. How many of y'all know how to worry? We all know how to worry. So since you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. When you worry about a problem, you think about all the ways that problem can get worse. All the ways that that problem is going to take you down. You think about it going this way. You think about it going... It hasn't gone that way yet. But you think about it. It's always on your mind. You're thinking about it. You're seeing it go bad here and then bad here and then getting worse here and then going over here. You keep seeing that. And if you're going to meditate the word, just do the same thing you're doing with worry. Except in a positive way. Keep going over the word. Going over the word, going over the word, seeing how that word can change your situation. This woman heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, she began to meditate on this. How can what I hear about Jesus change my situation? And she came up with this. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. Now, Jesus did not ever tell her that. None of the 12 disciples ever told her those words. But she heard about Jesus and she began to meditate on Jesus, began to think about it. See, this is in the past. This is what Jesus has done. She's in her present. I'm facing this flow of blood. It's been in my past. It's in my present. It looks like it's going to continue into my future. And if she's getting worse, I would think that at some point this is going to become a life-threatening situation. If I can only touch his clothes, if I can only get in there and touch his clothes, I know I shall be well. I know it. See, when you meditate on the Word, it will develop beliefs that are in line with the truth of the Word. And once you develop those beliefs, you need to declare it. You need to speak it out. You need to say it. Now, I I think about this. If Whether you like sports or whether you don't like sports. In fact, they, let's just ask that. How many people like sports? How many people would say you don't like sports? All right. Both you folks are going to be identified with this. Because if you like sports, you can see yourself or people that you know having done this. And if you don't like sports, you can point the fingers at, yep, that's what they do. <laughs> you look at people who like sports and they... Um, They read about their team. They read about all the things their team is doing. They read about the, you know, if it's football, you read about the linebackers, you read about the running backs, you read about the quarterbacks, you read about the wide receivers, you read about all these different positions, you see all the potential they have, and you get all excited because of what your team can do. You generally just read about your team. You want to read about your team. You put on the radio, you put on the talk radio, and you listen to guys talking about your team. And you begin to envision things about Sunday when your team plays whatever other team it's playing. And out of these people's mouths who have read on it, have meditated on it, have listened to the talk radio people and, and talk with other people, out of their mouth come declarations. We are going to win this game. We are going to mop the floor with these people on the other side. And we make these declarations. Why? Because I've been meditating on these things, I've been listening, I've been hearing, and therefore it's, it's, it produces a thing in me. Now I enjoy sports, um, there isn't too much that I really watch anymore, um, you know, I, uh, I like basketball, but I don't sit there and watch it, I just, you know, catch some of the highlights afterwards. So five minutes of highlights, I caught a couple hours for the game. But you, you got to pay extra money for the... Be able to watch the basketball. You got to pay extra money to watch the hockey. You got to pay extra money to watch the, the, the baseball. So I don't pay the extra money to do all these different things. Football still comes on free TV, but generally I just record it. And then afterwards, if it's worthwhile watching, I'll sit down and I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want to sit next to me when I'm watching it because I don't watch, I don't listen. The announcers drive me crazy. I don't like any of them. And so uh, I'm watch, I'll watch the play. The play is about 10 seconds long and I have a little button on my thing. I can skip ahead. And I skip ahead. I know how far to skip ahead to get to the next play. And, you know, Carson Wentz comes right up in, under center. As soon as he got tackled, bang, he's up. And, you know. I'm just watching that game. It, it don't take me long at all to watch the game. And I just fast forward through the entire halftime. I don't need to watch that. Go right on past all the commercials. I don't mess with it. Because, you know, to sit there and to watch the game anymore, I get frustrated with the referees throwing so many flags and and so many things being being done, and the announcers announcing their stupidity on how much they don't know about the game, and I, I just get really frustrated with it all. So I figure, why should I watch something that I get frustrated at? I'll just record it and watch it later, if I want to. So there's a lot of times, you know, that the game was on, it wasn't a good game, and um, I just delete it. <laughs> all there is to it. Just go out there and just hit delete. Just knock the whole thing out. And I didn't waste any of my time. I don't, I don't tune in to talk radio to listen to them talk about the game. Cause whether they won the game or they lost the game, it's a bunch of nonsense to me that they're talking about. And it doesn't get me excited. So I don't bother listening to all that sort of stuff. But that's me. That's how I, I go about it. But see the, you, you meditate on these things and we make declarations. Now you people who don't like sports, you, you'll meditate on the things that your sport lover talks about and does. And you will declare how stupid they are for it. <laughs> you will make declarations based on what they've said. And based on what they've listened to. And how much time they've put into it. And you'll, you'll make declarations. You see, if we meditate on the word. If we allow principles to be built from what we meditate on. And put beliefs on it. It cannot help but produce declarations. It can't help it. It's, it's got to produce something. I'm going to say something about it. And that's what this woman did. She heard about Jesus. She began to meditate on this. I'm sure friends came to her and said, look, don't go putting all your all your hopes up again. We you know how many times we had to pick you know how long it took us to pick you up the last time. You were down for weeks when it didn't work. We don't want to be going out there to picking you up again. Don't go after it. Don't go that direction. But she didn't listen to him. She kept on going. If I can only touch his clothes, I shall get well. I shall get well. Now, if you're going to go after the word of God and build principles like this, it don't happen by accident. It don't happen just because it should happen. It happens because you're hungry. You're not hungry. It's not going to happen. How many of you, the reason that you make a good dinner is because either you are hungry or you anticipate being hungry. Right? No sense going out for a good dinner if you're not hungry. You gotta be hungry. And you gotta be hungry for that particular thing that you, that you want to make up. You know, there is no sense in making a salad if you're hungry for a hamburger. Salad's just not gonna cut it. But if you want a salad, and that's what you should make. Hamburger's not going to be doing you a whole lot of good. But you got to get hungry for this to work for you. She was hungry for this to work. She was hungry for this being, this, this situation being changed. She's hungry for it. She's not casual about this at all. She's going after it. How desperate, I, I, you can write this in your outline if you want to. I didn't have room to put it in yours. But how desperate you need to be before you get this hungry will vary. It'll change. Some people have to get real desperate some people not so much. But the more mature you become, the more mature you become as a Christian, the less desperate you need to be. You don't need to be that desperate. If you are a mature Christian, walking into the things of God, you don't have to become super desperate to get into the Word of God to, to meditate on it and develop principles. You won't have to do it. If you are immature, you're going to have to be on the point of bankruptcy before you change it. It said in verse 29, Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. It says she felt in her body. Now that feeling in her body had nothing to do with building the faith. Had nothing to do with it. Her faith was built based on what she heard Jesus say. What she heard Jesus had done. That's what caused it. And then she stepped out, and She did it. A lot of times people want to have, they want to feel in their body before they'll believe. That's not how this worked for this woman. Now Jesus didn't come up to her again. He didn't come up and say, if you do this, it'll work. She came up with this on her own. Just know this. There are certain people that Jesus told them what to do. Remember the guy we looked at he spit in the ground, babe, bud? Told him to go wash? He told him what to do. But he doesn't tell everybody. He didn't tell this the centurion what to do to believe. He didn't tell this woman what to do. She came up with it on her own. That's important to know. Now I don't know if she if she could if you've been bleeding for twelve years. I don't know that you can necessarily sense that you're still bleeding. But she could sure tell that something changed. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction verse 30, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? He didn't say, Who touched my body? He said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? So we've got a multitude of people, hundreds of people all around Jesus, all pushing to get close. And she's got to get through all these folks. And she gets through, but they're all pushing and shoving and doing all sorts of stuff. And the disciples said, You say, Who touched me? all kinds of people are touching you and he looked around to see who had done this thing in one in uh, one version of this we said no someone touched me and healing power went out he could tell he looked around to see her who had done this thing but the woman fearing and trembling knowing what had happened to her came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth now she's fearing and trembling why is the woman fearing and trembling When you fear something, it's uncertain, right? If you hear a noise in the middle of the night, if it causes fear in you, how many of you know it's because you don't know what it was? Have you ever done this checklist? I've done this checklist sometimes. You hear a noise in the night, and I start going through the checklist. All right, well, if it was the, if it was the refrigerator, it would have come from this area of the house. If it was something in the roof, it would have come from this area of the house. I begin to go through the checklist in my mind, trying to determine... And then once I figure, oh, you know what? That was, and I've come up with what it was, because of the sound where it came from. I, um, once I do that, oh, that's what it was, and I'm good. I'm good. have you ever been done, done that? You, you figured it out. My daughter's saying no. I'm good. Once I know where the sound comes from, I don't, I'm alright. I just go, I'll just turn around and go right back to sleep. Cause I've, I have figured it out. I know what the, what the sound is. Now, if my wife heard it, I might be getting up out of bed anyway and <laughs> go checking the, thing, checking the thing out. I could even say, well, it was this, such and such, and I'll come on back and you usually uh, I'm right. But if I don't know what it is, we had to uh, go on uh, the other night our, our smoke detector. Got some two new ones in the house and, you know, they've been doing just fine for a while. And then for some reason they just went nuts. <laughs> but they don't go nuts except for like 2 a.m. in the morning. That's when they go nuts. And so we're sleeping away and all of a sudden this thing just blares out. Now I'm not sitting around going through any checklist at that point. I'm telling you right now, as soon as I heard that thing go off, I didn't nudge my wife and say, will you go check that out and see what it's going I didn't do that. <laughs> I, got, I jumped right up out of bed. I went out there and I checked the thing, checked the thing out and did all the stuff that I wanted to, to do. You know, they had to shut the thing off and uh, we never had them go off before. So they were a little different to, uh, to get get to go, get turned off, but uh, got them turned off, and and we're not talking about you know the battery was low. There's no there's no chirp there. This is the, something that they're trying to wake up the neighbors. This was this was loud. Well, there was nothing going on. So as long as I know nothing was going on, everything was all right. I turned I went back to sleep. That's all you got to do. It's fear comes from the unknown. I don't know what caused it. I don't know what's going on with this particular thing. What's happening with, with all this? I don't know. Well, this woman's fear is based on the view that many people have in the, in the, in the church. Perhaps God didn't want me to have what I got. Because actually she didn't get it with Jesus' permission, did she? She didn't ask anyone's permission. She just took it. She took a healing. She came up with a way to go in there and to take a healing. Maybe he didn't want me to have it. Can you imagine the power of God going out, healing somebody, and they, they, they're not sure. But it produced a fear in her. Fear is from the unknown. And the enemy loves dealing with the unknown. The enemy will start saying, you shouldn't have had this healing. It may not have been God's will for you to be healed, and here you are getting that healing. Maybe, maybe that was someone else's healing. And here it is, you've got it. Maybe God doesn't want you to have that answer right now. Maybe He wanted you to have that this thing for a little bit longer. And see, He comes on and He feeds all these things. And even though she had meditated on the Word, even though she had stayed in the Word all that time and developed this wonderful thing of what she should do and how she could draw on the, the power that was in Jesus, there was still a fear that came up with her. You see the longer you have a condition the more you are prone to think along these kind of lines like she was. She may be thinking I've received something apart from the will of God and now Jesus knows about it. That's not good. Verse 34 And he said to her daughter Your faith has made you well Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So he wasn't trying to find her because he wanted to exhort her because she took something that she wasn't supposed to have. He said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Go in peace. You're in fear right now. Don't be in fear. I want you to go in peace. Your faith has made you well. This is what he said to her. Jesus was not involved in this healing except that he was there and that the the power was in him and she, she tapped into it through faith. But he hadn't done anything. She did it. She heard about Jesus. Now, a lot of times, the enemy wants to take your past and find negative reasons for you to not have faith. He wants to say, well, you've had this condition a long time. Maybe God just wants you to be this way. Maybe it's just not for you. Maybe this is not something that God can do for you. Whatever it might be. He wants to take your past and cause you to have fear and unrest and not be in peace. That's not what God wants. He said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. See, faith is built on what we know. What the Word teaches us, what God reveals to us. This is what it does. You cannot just have faith and just roll up any ticket that you want and say, well, I think I, I, think I can be healed by eating a McDonald's breakfast every morning for the next week. I think that I should be healed by doing that. You see, you have nothing in the Word of God that's going to produce faith for that. If you're going to, what people, some people have uh, deemed, write your own ticket with God, because that's what she did. She she basically wrote it. If I do this, this will happen. If you're going to do that, you've got to have something in the Word of God to base it on. What in the Word of God is building your faith? You cannot just have blank faith that God is going to satisfy. You've got to have faith that is built on His Word. When you get His Word, you meditate on it. You mull over it and over it and over it. How is this Word going to change my situation? And the Spirit of God is going to illuminate you just like He did for her. Just like He did for blind Bartimaeus. Just like He did for so many others. The illumination came in. And if I just touch the hem of His garment, I know it. I know I shall be healed. She had something to put her faith in. Let me read this whole thing to you one more time in the Wiest translation. Kenneth Wiest. And he went off with him and there this is verse uh twenty four. And there kept on following with him a large crowd, and they kept on pressing upon him almost to the point of suffocation. <laughs> That's uh there there was a uh there was an intense press going on. They weren't just walking with a lot of space around there for Jesus. And a woman having come who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had endured much suffering under the hands of many doctors and had spent all of the things which she had and was not even one bit improved, but rather grew worse, having heard the things concerning Jesus, having come in in the crowd behind, touched his garment, for she kept saying, if I touch even his garments, I shall be made whole. And immediately they was dried up the fountain of her blood, and she suddenly came to feel in her body that she had been healed of her plague and was at that moment in a state of health. There are situations that you are involved in. Your past, the things that you have been through, is for your faith to build upon. Your past is for your faith to build upon. That's what it's intended for. The enemy wants It to hold you back. But the things that have gone on in your past is for your faith to build it on. David facing the lion. David facing the bear. Was to build his faith for when he would face Goliath. The things that are in your past are to build you in faith for what is coming in your future. That's the purpose of your past. Look at that. Look how God has delivered you. And let that build faith for you for where you're going. Your past is for your faith to build upon. That's the purpose of your past. The things that have gone on before, the enemy wants to twist them, make you have a wrong interpretation of what happened, try and hold you back. But that's what your past is for. Your present is merely temporary. Whatever you have going on presently is temporary. It is not permanent. The enemy wants you to think that it's permanent. But what is going on in your present is temporary, whether they be good things or whether they be bad things. Now what I mean by that is this. How many of y'all know that the salary that you have now is temporary? Hopefully, God has a bigger one for you down the road. He's going to increase, increase that. But it's temporary. You're not always paid the same amount. When you first got out of high school and you went to work, how much were you? you were paid a lot less, weren't you? And you were happy with that. But that was temporary because there would be increase on that. Whatever situation you're facing presently, you must always keep in mind this is only temporary. This is not a permanent condition. You'll have doctors that will come to you and tell you, well, this will always be this way. Just like they came to the man with leprosy. What did they say to the man with leprosy? This is a permanent condition that's going to kill you. Where they say that one born blind, this is a permanent condition you will never see. Where they say that a person who was born lame, this is a permanent condition, it's not going to change. As far as people are concerned, they can't change these things. But the enemy wants you to think that whatever condition you have, that you don't like, that you don't want, that is not blessing you, whatever one it might be, is permanent. They will always be this way. If you're depressed, he wants you to say you'll always be depressed. If you're unhappy, you'll always be unhappy. Unsatisfied, you'll always be unsatisfied. Whatever it might be, he's trying to get you to believe that whatever condition you are in, that present condition is temporary. Whereas God is trying to get you to understand whatever, con- whatever condition you are in right now is temporary. I've got good things for you. When Israel was in the land of Egypt, what did God say about it? Temporary. When they were in the wilderness, what did God say about it? Temporary. He's taking them to a place. He's taking them someplace else. He is going to take them to a place of increase, prosperity. Into a land flowing with milk milk and honey, He said to them. Your past is for your faith to build upon. Your present is merely temporary. Your future hope should be from the Word and seen by you as certain. Certain. No matter what you see or feel in the present, it does not change how you see your future. Meditate on the word. Let the word paint a picture of your future. I realize that future is not now. I have a different situation presently. I don't have to deny my certain, uh, my present situation, in order to achieve the future. I can come to a realization this is where it's at, but I never have to accept it as permanent. It's temporary. This is just the way it is now. But I set my eyes on the future. If I just touch the hem, his garment, I know I shall be healed. She didn't let her present situation her view of the hope that has been built through faith in Jesus. What is it that you have faced in today? What is going on in your life? You may have situations. Maybe a mental state. Maybe a physical state. Maybe a state in your job, your neighborhood, family, whatever it might be. You do not have to view that as permanent. And don't come to a place where you accept it as permanent. Let the Word of God paint a picture in your mind. Let it be painted into your spirit. Let let it become a part of you to where you are always saying, just like this woman, she kept saying to herself, I know if I just touch the hem of His garment, I shall be made whole. How many all the contrary thoughts would come to her? How many think she battled with the thought? You'll never get to touch Jesus. You're never going to get close to Jesus. Jesus doesn't care about you. Jesus doesn't know about you. Why is he coming over here with you? All these kind of things are going to come into your head. The enemy is going to try and paint your present as being permanent. This is the way it will be. But you do not have to accept it. Meditate on the Word. Get a picture of your future and know the steps that you need to take. She knew the steps that she needed to take. Bartimaeus knew the steps that he needed to take. Other people, Jesus came to him and told them the steps they needed to take. Because you need to be invested. Can't just sit back there, lay back, and let God do all the work. God says, I I want to see you invested. Remember the leper? Go wash in the river seven times. Why do you gotta go wash seven times? One time should be enough. Have it one of the better rivers. Let's pick out something nicer. He didn't, he didn't say that. There's gonna be a path. There's gonna be something you can do, cause you need to be invested in what it is that you want to receive. Would you all stand up with me? Father, I thank you for your word, for the picture that your word paints for us. Our future will change. Whether it changes for the better, or whether it changes for the worse, is up to us. But Father, our future can change. As we meditate on your Word, your Word will build belief principles in us. And as we embrace them, take hold of them, it's going to change the way we talk about our future. We're not going to be talking about our future. Well, it's always been this way. Well, I guess I'll always have to endure that. We're going to talk about our future with the hope that the Word has. And my God will change this. And my God will bring this about. And God is doing this for me. And God is over here. And we're going to be declaring the things that faith has let us see I thank you for it in Jesus name here this morning as we enjoy communion together talk about somebody who had the future in mind Jesus came to the cross came to the beating that he had with the future in mind he knew that his present was going to be tough he knew that the anguish was going to be great but he did this with the future in mind because he knew that he would win every one of us. He would redeem every one of us and we were worth it. Whether you think you are worth God's sacrifice of his only son, whether you think that or not, makes no difference. God thought you were worth it. If God thought you were worth it, you are. You may go driving on home today and maybe pass one of those expensive cars and you say, oh, those cars are not worth the money. Well, they are to somebody. And even though you may judge yourself, I'm not worth the money. I'm not worth what God spent. God says, yes, you are. (laughs) Yes, you are. See yourself as God sees you. You are worth the sacrifice of his son. And that son came to the cross and he saw the anguish. He saw the suffering and he embraced it. He took it on because he said, you are worth it. You are worth it. Live your life in view that you are worth it. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this represents my body which is broken for you. He did communion in two parts because there's two parts to communion. There's two parts to salvation. One is for your physical body and one is for your spirit. The first part before supper was the bread. This represents my body which was broken for you. And the Old Testament tells us that on his body was put the curse of the law. By his stripes we are healed. Jesus wanted you well. He wanted you healthy and he wanted you whole. As we eat together, let's remember. After supper he took the cup He said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. In the Old Testament, every time they missed it, blood had to be shed. In the New Testament, Jesus said, the blood of the new covenant, all you need is my blood. His blood washed us clean and paid the price. As we drink together, let's remember, there's nothing we need to add. Just receive. Glory to God. Would you bow your heads with me? Glory to God. If you're here today, there's a situation in your present that you want to see changed. That you have been discouraged in the past. Things haven't changed for you the way that you wanted them to. Things didn't quite go the way you had hoped but you know you need that present situation to change and you're willing to do whatever needs to be done you're hungry you desire no one looking around if you're here today you got a situation in your life that fits that description raise your hand I want to pray for you glory to God Father God you see the hands that are raised here A situation is going on, it's been going on, whether a long time or short time. I thank you, Father, that your word will come alive to them as they study, as they meditate on your word this week. And that, Father, you paint a picture of a future that is different, a future that is not having that situation going on, a future that is free of it. And in your word, you will speak the things that their faith needs. And just like the woman with the issue of blood, she came out with a path. If I just do this, the power will come down upon me and I will be healed. Father, I thank you that you'll paint the same picture for us. The power will come down upon us and we will be healed, set free, and loosed from whatever has us in bondage. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Victor coming closes out.
1: Good morning brothers and sisters. Um, we're always happy to have us all in church um, to share together in fellowship. I will always remind us the scripture that says how good and pleasant it is when brethren come together in unity. It's like the oil upon the head of a that runs down the beard down to the garment. You know, all of us are refreshed by those, by that oil, by the word of God. And we thank God for the inspiration we get every day, every service we gather like this in, in the house of God. Hallelujah. And today was just so wonderful. You know so many things that God has spoken to the mouth of His servant, which I will implore us to go back and spend time with the Word again, and allow the Word to um, go deeper into your spirit and let it become life in you. You know, one thing I wrote down on my um, on my script said, "Your present is temporary." Let the Word of God give you the picture of what your future is, and then go ahead and declare them. Um, we are in a world that we see a lot of things. Go to the news media. You are always going to be hearing about the evils that are about to happen, how the world will soon be folded up, you know, fire and the climate change and everything will soon take over the earth and everything. It is only the word of God that gives you the picture of what... Is going to happen after now. And for us that are Christians, we know the joy that lies ahead of us. Hallelujah. So let's spend time in the Word of God um, to build that in our spirit. Sister Susan wants us to pray together for her friend Gina, um, the director of God's Treasure House Ministries. She had a, a surgical incision that keeps getting infected and um, the wound is slow to heal. Uh, we remember God's word in Proverbs chapter 4. If you read verse 11 of it, uh, 21, it says, Let them not depart from thine eyes, but keep them in the midst of thine heart. See, For they are life to those who find them and held to their flesh. That is speaking about God's word. So we will pray in the light of this scripture that our sister Gina will receive the word of God in her spirit that will become life to her and health to that flesh in jesus name you know the word of the lord is is quick and is living um and i'm sure the holy spirit will minister to her specifically what she needs to do um so that this one can heal because the word of god is true and is here and amen so we pray in that light that she will receive here and receive the word that will become life to her flesh amen thank you for coming and um we encourage you to greet one another before you go home and spend the rest of your week um, rejoicing in God's presence. Amen.